Now, we've been in a series entitled Vision 2020, Following Jesus Every Day, and now we're on the other half of the book of Philippians. So turn in Philippians now, chapter number 3, and I love this amazing chapter. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11, and they've been tremendous in our study this week and preparing for today, and God has so challenged me in several areas, several levels that I want to, to share with you. I want to bring you into that journey And I want God's Word to always challenge us. I want God's Word to always uh, really combat our complacency or mediocrity in any area of life that will stir us up to be fully yielded and fully surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. So God's Word is to be a benefit and a blessing in your life. So the first passion is, of course, for you to become a follower of Jesus Christ. That's our number one passion. If you don't know the Lord, we're going to give you an opportunity to come to faith in Jesus Christ and experience God's forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. We're going to have prayer partners available to my right and also to my left, your right and your left. They're going to be available to assist you. We're going to give an invitation at the end of the service and invite you to come talk to one of our prayer partners about becoming a follower of Jesus Christ. For those who already know the Lord, who are already following Jesus Christ, we're going to ask you to go deeper in your love relationship with him to make sure he's number one in your life and he's your number one passion in your life. So what does it mean to follow Jesus every day? Here's a phrase I want to give you that really captures what we're about to dive into. Measure the treasure. Measure the treasure. If you're not careful, you will live your entire life for the wrong things. And they could be good things. They could be, they, they could line up and you say, wow, these are amazing things that I've given my life to. And you can allocate your time and energy wisely and you can be very structured and disciplined and give your life to the things that have no eternal value. End up realizing, wow, I've been giving my time and my energy to the wrong things. Or as one statement you'll read, will say, that I climbed the ladder of success and then realized the ladder was leaning up against the wrong wall. So what are you giving your life to? Measure the treasure. We pick up in Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, and I want to give you five healthy habits, five daily disciplines to deploy. You can call them habits. You can call them disciplines. But this is what it means to follow Jesus every day. And Paul really unfolds this for us beautifully in this passage. Let me give you the first habit or the first discipline. Choosing to rejoice in the Lord. That's on us. That following Jesus every day includes choosing to rejoice in the Lord. We pick up now in verse 1 of chapter 3 where Paul says, Finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. So Paul's writing this love letter to the church he had started 10 years prior. He's now 850 miles away in the In Rome, he's chained to a Roman prisoner. He's under house arrest. And he's writing this love letter to the church he gave birth to, the church at Philippi. And he's reminding them of the value and the importance of choosing to rejoice in the Lord. I remember several years ago when I had the privilege of spending three days with Dr. Adrian Rogers at Bellevue Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. See the big crosses there on the interstate. 
And I'll never forget the phrase he shared in those three days. Rejoice is a choice. Would you say that with me? Rejoice is a choice. And what's so powerful as Paul writes these words, he's in difficult circumstances. And he's learned to rejoice in the midst of difficult circumstances. So you don't wait until you get delivered from or out of your circumstances. You don't wait until you graduate from the university of adversity and then start rejoicing. What Paul is saying is choose to rejoice in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your adversity, in the midst of your difficulty. That's a daily habit. Rejoicing in the Lord. Number two, following Jesus every day includes combating the influence of false teachers and their false gospel. Wow, now that's loaded. That's a daily discipline. That's a daily habit. That you guard your heart, that you know what you believe and you stand for truth. Combating false teachers and their false gospel. Look now with me at verse two. Now, this is heavy language. Paul says, look out for the dogs. <laughs> Who let the dogs out? Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. And here Paul is talking about the Judaizers that had infiltrated the church at Philippi. And what's so interesting, the Jews looked at the Gentiles, and the Philippian church was a Gentile church. Paul was a Jew. The Jews would look at a Gentile and call them dogs. They were unclean, unfit. And here Paul is identifying the Judaizers, those who were mixing law and grace, these evildoers who had infiltrated the church at Philippi and trying to influence them away from God's truth. Paul says, look out for the dogs. And he's not talking about a cute little cuddly with a bow in its little hair, little little puppy that you can hold in the palm of your hand. He's talking about scavengers that were very common in the first century, wild dogs that would uh, consume garbage in the streets and even attack people. Paul is saying, look out for the dogs. Look out for these Judaizers. Look out for these false teachers and their false gospel. These evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Now, his reference there is to circumcision, which is an Old Testament rite, which identified your covenant relationship with God, and it required bloodshed. It was just a symbol of being part of the people of God in the Old Testament. And they were teaching that if you were a Gentile, you had to become a Jew via circumcision in order to become Christian. They were adding these layers to becoming Christian. And, and this was addressed in Acts chapter 15 at the Jerusalem Council like don't make it more difficult for people to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Don't put hurdles for them to overcome or obstacles in the way. A person comes to faith in Jesus Christ by the completed work of Jesus on the cross, not by works. So Paul here is reminding us of combating the influence of false teachers and their false gospel. So it matters what you believe. And you need to know what you believe. You need to know what God's Word says. And in the FBI, the agents are trained on how to detect counterfeit bills. It's a multi-billion dollar industry to counterfeit money globally, of course. 
and they don't train them in counterfeit. They teach them how to recognize the real thing. And they get so consumed with understanding the real bill that anytime anything outside of the real bill shows up, it is exposed. They get so familiar with the truth, the real bill, and God's called us to get so familiar with his truth, his word, that if a false teaching comes our way, we'll get a check in our spirit. We'll say, wait a minute, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't sound right. Adding works to the gospel that you come to Christ and then you're saved by your works. No, no. It is by grace alone, through faith alone, that you're saved in the completed work of what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross. Following Jesus every day includes number three, Clarifying your new identity in Christ. Clarifying your new identity in Christ. Know who you are in Christ. What it means to be a child of God. What it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You need to realize there's nothing to be ashamed of. We don't walk through this dark and decaying life and withholding our Christianity as though we don't want anybody to see the light or know that we're salty. Tanya and I were coming from an event yesterday uh, one of our church events with our amazing widows, and uh, we were right in front of Sonic on Luetta, and we saw this amazing black Jeep with cool tires that had red lettering on it. And the back wheel, uh, the spare tire was identical, and then the license plate said, Be Salty. And we just looked at us, look at that. What? That's a great word, Be Salty. And that's what God's called us to be, to be salty and to know who we are in Christ and to know our true identity in Christ, that we are the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. God has made us that way in Christ. Look at verse 3. For we are the circumcision. Wait a minute. We are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God in glory that is boast in Christ Jesus, and we put no confidence in the flesh. And here Paul's identifying the distinguishing marks of an authentic Christian. How do you know if a person's really a Christian? What are the distinguishing marks? Jesus said, you shall know unbelievers by their fruit, like they're going to give evidence of their lack of being in Christ. And believers are going to give evidence of their being in union with Christ by their fruit. What are the distinguishing marks? Paul gives us three, a changed heart, a changed heart. He says, we are the circumcision. Now, he's not speaking of an operation. He is not talking about a physical operation of the flesh. He's talking about the transformation of the heart. He's talking about salvation, transformation, and you receive a, a new heart, a changed heart. But also, we are indwelt, dwelt by the Spirit of God. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Holy Spirit moves in at the moment of our conversion, the moment of our salvation. And we become the walking tabernacle of the presence of God. The Holy Spirit moves in. And listen, he doesn't move in and then move out. Move in and then move out. When I was growing up with an alcoholic father, he would be in my life, out of my life, in my life, out of my life, in my life, out of my life, prison. In my life, out of my life, in my life, out of my life, prison. The Holy Spirit moves in. And becomes your constant companion. He becomes your permanent resident. He doesn't move in and move out. Now, the reality is you can grieve him. You can quench him. You can put out his fire. 
You can go through seasons of your life where you have so suppressed the Holy Spirit's work in your life and his presence in your life that it's not as obvious that you're the walking tabernacle, the presence of God, because you've grieved him or we quench him. But it's an authentic mark of who you are in Christ, that you are filled by the Spirit of God. And then also Christ-centered living. That's another distinguishing mark of authentic Christianity is that you have Christ as a center of your life, that he becomes the hub of the will, and everything in your life flows out of that love relationship with Jesus Christ. You have an abiding relationship with him. He is the vine. We're the branches. And he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Everything in our lives flows out of our love, love relationship with Christ. So we glory, we boast in Christ Jesus alone, and we put no confidence in the flesh. Have you ever memorized Galatians 2.20, where Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And what Paul's identifying in our identity in Christ, it's no longer about what we're going to do for the Lord. It's what he does in us so he can do his work through us. We become a conduit for Christ. Number four, following Jesus every day includes counting everything a loss compared to knowing Christ. Now, this one's a bit heavy. This one challenges our contemporary culture. This one challenges our definitions of success, what it means to become something in our culture, what it means to acquire in our culture, what it means to achieve, to gain and when we look at what God's Word teaches here and how Paul is talking about counting everything a loss compared to knowing Christ, it's such a dichotomy for our consumer culture that we're consumed with consuming in our culture and becoming and being known and being a person who has acquired much and being successful and, and wanting our image to be this way. And, and that's why we love Instagram because you can control the image. You can make your teeth whiter than they really are. You can make yourself trimmer than you really are and more, more buff for us guys than you really are. And you can make it look better than you really are. And you can present your image to the culture. And they say, wow, they're always so happy. They're always so upbeat. And they have the most engaging encounters. And they go to the most amazing places. And what you realize is that you're watching their highlight reel. The best moments. And by the way, it's filtered with technology. So verse 7, Paul says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Now that's in past tense. He's referring to his conversion, Acts chapter 9, where Saul is a persecutor of the church and he has what's called that Damascus Road experience where he's blinded three days and three nights. Then God tells, tells Ananias, I want you to go lay hands on Saul. And Ananias says, oh, Lord, you need to know about him. Do you realize what he has done and who he is? 
And he has authority from the chief priest to lock up followers of the way, Christians. Lord, you need to know who he is, and I need to bring you up on who he is. And God's like, thank you, Ananias. I had no idea who we were dealing with here. (laughs) Thank you for bringing me up on someone I created. And then God tells Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument. And he's going to bring the gospels to the Gentile, the gospel to the Gentile. And then in Acts chapter 9, verse 16, God tells Ananias, and I will show Saul how much he must suffer for my name. So Paul says, after that conversion experience, after that transformation, after that divine appointment, divine encounter, what we would call a divine transaction, from being lost to found, from being unsaved to being saved, from being unregenerate to being regenerated by the gospel of Jesus Christ, Paul becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. And then he says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Now look at verse 8. Now he's writing as a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, one who has been brought from death to life, from out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Now he's speaking as a child of God. Look at verse 8. Indeed, This is what challenges me. I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth, value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Wow. So doubtless Paul considered his life-transforming conversion on the Damascus Road as a time when he switched from confidence in the flesh to confidence in Christ alone. Some of you are familiar with that old quote from Socrates, the unexamined life is not worth living. In other words, it's a good exercise to hit the pause button in life. And to reflect, to hit the pause button in life and to assess where you are right now. That's a good thing. To really get in touch with your current reality and say in light of God's word, in light of God's truth, in light of God's call, I need to hit the pause button and assess my current reality to make sure I'm in alignment with where God wants me and what God wants me to do. Taylor Swift, a music icon, has connected with millions through her songwriting and through her singing. And her songwriting is so powerful because she writes from the very depth of her soul and the depth of her pain. And she she puts it in words and then puts it to music and then expresses that journey and draws people in. And, And people say things like, that's me. How'd she know? I so identify with that. She's been reading my mail. That's exactly what I went through. And people are connecting and identifying with her and and then filling up stadiums, sold out concerts. And and she goes out on the stage and and they show from uh, the camera angle where you can see her and then the, the sold out crowd. And she walks out onto the stage and she brings the house down. It's the pinnacle of 
entertainment. It's a, it's a pinnacle of what every songwriter who wants to be on the stage dreams about, that moment, that unveiling, that all those practices, all those wasted times of that lyric didn't come together and that lyric didn't come together, but this came together and all the agony of travel and hotels and all the different obstacles of life for that one moment, the pinnacle of success at the top. And here's what she said. I live for the applause and approval for strangers. Devastated by reaching the top and it not delivering what it promised. Yes, I really believe for many of us, we, we know success. As a church, we know success. We're in the top 0.1% of churches in America out of 365,000 churches, we know success. Many in this room, you know success. You're very successful in your area, in your lane. But I wonder if God is trying to move us out of this realm of success and to bring us into significance. Bob Buford read, wrote a book I read many years ago, Anticipating a Midlife Crisis. Like I was trying to get ahead of it. And his book's called Halftime, Moving from Success to Significance. Now I'm age 50, and I'm glad I read that book. Moving from success to significance and what you really are challenged with is you become successful and it's not enough. And you wonder what does significance look like? What does it really mean to invest your life to make an eternal difference? And Paul is now presenting his pedigree. He's saying, listen, here's what I've gained that I consider lost. And he unveils his pedigree. Look at verse 4. It's so interesting. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And then Paul is going to give us what he was born into. So he had no choice in the matter. He was born into this privilege. Look at verse 5. Circumcised on the eighth day. He's an authentic Jew. Of the people of Israel. Of the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of Hebrews. He can trace his lineage back to Abraham. He's somebody. But he was born into that. And then he gets to what he chose to do, where he got to allocate what we would say his energy, his time, telling his time where to go, how to invest his life. And then notice, as to the law, a Pharisee. That is the most religious sect of Judaism. Special forces, a very select group. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. We're talking about a man who had religious pedigree. He had all the badges, all the honors. He was at the top. You can't get any higher than this. And what Paul is realizing is that he had religion, but it was insufficient. It was not enough. It takes a love relationship with Jesus Christ. 
that it's not about religion. It's about relationship. In Galatians 1, 13 and 14, he gives us more insight to his pedigree. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. He was in the gifted program. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. So Paul is unveiling to us his religious pedigree and then says, indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth or value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Now, the word rubbish in the language of the New Testament is a powerful word. It means garbage, dung, excrement. This morning on my way to church through our neighborhood, I noticed this couple walking a big dog, and it was so sweet. And the little, the, it was so sweet when uh, she embraced her husband, gave him a big kiss. Another person driving almost ran off the road watching them kiss. It was funny. But I was noticing the big dog they had, and they had this little shopping bag that was empty. Now, why would you carry an empty plastic shopping bag so that you can live in the neighborhood, so that your neighbors will like you and not despise you? And so you know what they do with that plastic bag. They put their hand in the bag, and then they reach down just to retrieve anything on the ground that wasn't there before they got there. And they pull it up, and they then tie off the bag, and then they carry the bag as they walk the dog. It's so sweet. (laughs) Here's what Paul is saying. When I gather all my credentials, everything I've attained in this life, and I put it all in a bag... And then I look at the, the value of the surpassing knowledge of Jesus Christ. That I, I have a love relationship with Jesus Christ. He has changed my forever. When I put my relationship with Christ on the table with all that I've acquired, all that I've gained, all that I've attained, all that I've gained and attained and acquired is like rubbish compared to knowing Christ. Now, that's a daily habit. Because what happens in our cultural current, what happens in our daily living is we start gravitating back over to this which we have attained and what we have acquired, and we start putting all our value there, and we bypass the value and worth of knowing Jesus Christ. And wonder why we live in discouragement, wonder why we live in defeat, wonder why it's never enough. God never wanted this to be enough. God has given us a holy discontentment that knowing Christ and Christ alone can only satisfy. Are you on that journey? You know what happens when you acquire something you've always wanted? You get acclimated to it. It just becomes normal. I've had so many conversations with people and say, I can't believe hey, they live at that level. How do they live at that level? That's unbelievable to live at that level. And I'm like, but to them, that's normal. They've gotten acclimated to living at that level. 
Just like when you host people who are blown away with your life and you're like, but this is normal. Not to them. It's your normal. Why? Because you got acclimated to it. You remember when you were growing up and you had those old skates that had metal wheels on it? Metal wheels, not those soft little grippy ones. Metal wheels that had sparks when you went roller skating. Some of you remember that. And then you went to a skating rink, and in the glass case, they had speed skates that not only had the real nice wheels, but had grooves in them. And you could spin that wheel, and it would just keep on spinning. And you spin your metal wheels, and it's like, okay. <laughs> but you're, you were okay with those skates with metal wheels, because that's all you knew till you saw the speed skates behind the glass. And you see somebody on the floor, and they're racing around those speed skates. And you're like, oh, they, they have those. Look, they, and then to them, that's normal. That's all they know. So Paul is identifying all that he's acquired, all that he's attained, all that he has gained. He considers everything a loss compared to the value and the worth of knowing Jesus Christ as Lord. Number five, following Jesus every day includes celebrating the treasure that's impossible to measure. Celebrating the treasure that's impossible to measure. Let me just read these verses to you before we close. Verse nine speaks of our justification and being found in him, in Christ, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Isn't that interesting? I love that Jim Elliott quote. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain, what, which, that which he cannot lose. Our justification, coming to faith in Christ, coming into salvation is a divine transaction where it's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So God graces you with this amazing gift called eternal life, and he invites you into his story, and you respond to his gracious gift of eternal life, this gracious offer of salvation, by placing your faith not in yourself any longer, not in what you can acquire, what you can achieve. Now you place your faith in what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago. It is finished. You can't add to the completed work of Jesus on the cross. And then you're justified. You're declared righteous. It's just if I'd never sinned. That's the divine transaction. So much more I can say about that. Look at, look at verse 10. Verse 10. That's our sanctification, our spiritual growth and development, that I may know him. Wait, Paul, I thought you already knew him. I know him personally and intimately, but I'm growing in my relationship. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings. That my relationship with Christ may lead me down a path of suffering, becoming like him in his death. I love what J.I. Packer read this many years ago in his book, Knowing God. Once you become aware that the main business that you are here for is to know God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. You are created to know God through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So 
justification, sanctification. I'm growing spiritually. I'm becoming everything Christ is developing in me. And then verse 11, glorification. The good news, the battle's almost over. Verse 11, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now, when you first read it, it's like, well, Paul's working toward being resurrected from the dead. And, and in, in the language of the New Testament, there's, there's, the flow is not work for your resurrection. You've got to do something to gain this resurrection. What Paul is identifying here is he's praying and hoping and, and anticipating that the Lord will return before he dies. Remember, he's in Rome, chained to a Roman prisoner, uh, chained to a Roman soldier as a prisoner. And Paul is anticipating with urgency that Jesus is going to come back soon. And I'll attain the resurrection of the dead. Like Paul was anticipating Christ returning before Paul died. Are you living with that kind of urgency? Are you living with that kind of passion? And then we learn in Philippians 3, 20 and 21, but our citizenship is in heaven and we from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body. Can, can you just say hallelujah right there? Will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So Paul's anticipating turning in that old shell called the body for a new glorified body. He's anticipating Christ's return, living in light of the return of Jesus Christ, and that's where we are. Now, I want to ask you some personal questions. Would you bow with me? Here's the first question. What are you placing your confidence in? What are you placing your confidence in? Number two, when you acquire what you desire, will it be enough? Number three, are you willing to measure the treasure of knowing Jesus personally and eternally? And you are his treasure. What is keeping you from becoming a follower of Jesus Christ? What is keeping you from turning from your sin and trusting in Jesus alone for salvation? For God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. What is keeping you from becoming a follower of Jesus Christ? In just a few moments, we're going to have our prayer partner standing along the walls to my right and your left. And right after the service, I just want you to come to one of them and say, I want to become a follower of Jesus. I want to be saved. And they will share with you how you can become a follower of Jesus Christ and receive the gift of eternal life and have the assurance of heaven. Then for those of us who know the Lord and we have already become followers of Jesus and now we're following Jesus every day, what adjustments do we need to make in our lives? in order to know him more and to grow in our love relationship with him and to go on mission with him, being salty saints, being irresistible in our influence. Where are we out of alignment? What is keeping us from following Jesus every day? Measure the treasure.
And Lord, that's our prayer. Have your way in us, O God. Continue to speak to our hearts as we wait upon you. And Lord, as we get to celebrate baptism, thank you for life transformation, that your grace has been made available to us, that we can trust in you alone for salvation and be delivered from the kingdom of darkness and brought into the kingdom of light. And then as a result of our salvation, to go public with our faith through baptism. Thank you for that privilege in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray that the truth of God's word is both encouraging and uplifting to you. If you'd like more information about our church, service times, or locations, or if you have a question about what you heard today and you want to connect with someone, I want to encourage you to visit us on our website at championforest.org. Have a great day and God bless.